Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. For many years, in what might have been the prime of my life, I lived and worked on the Rue des Martes, this narrow market street which begins its climb at the northern edge of the banking and insurance district and ends in the skein of streets that wraps around the Sacre-Cœur at the heart of Montmartre, is not on the tourist circuit and has no pretensions to Parisian grandeur. Behind and above its modest shop fronts are forgettable lives, lives like my own, which I had reduced to a box a one-room apartment on top of a one-room shop. Though the two were once a unit, at some point and for some reason to make more space to rent the shop and studio separately, the connecting stairs had been disconnected and my room could only be reached by an enclosed stairway in the courtyard. It's not unusual in a city with a long history. Buildings change their function and configuration, and one structure is squeezed in front of, behind, or beside another. It's just such quirks that have made Paris Paris, a city of endless layers and perspectives, a city of story upon story. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host of New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Mary Fleming, author of The Art of Regret. This novel is about a late 30-something American expat who's living a desultory, apathetic existence in Paris. He'd once pursued photography, but after a terrible bike accident has made his living by half-heartedly running a small, failing bicycle shop. The 1995 transit strike reverses his fortunes, and in the heat of his newfound success, he makes some terrible decisions. Five years pass before he's given a chance to make amends. Hi, Mary. Thanks for joining me today. Well, hi, Khalid. Thank you very much for having me. So you're an American living in Paris. How did you come to write a novel about an American living in Paris? Well, because I'd lived there for quite a long time already. I've lived there since 1981. Uh, so that's my place. It's my it's what, what I use for my settings. And uh, I wanted to write a story about a person who had suffered tragedies as a child, but had never come to terms with those tragedies because he'd never talked about them with his family. And Paris is a very historical city. It's about history, so it seemed like a story about past was was also a good place to set it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the role of the geography of Paris. Were these your neighborhoods? I have lived in several of the neighborhoods. I lived. I have not lived where he lives on the Rue des Martyrs, but I lived where I live now, very close to where he grew up in the Seventh Arrondissement. Uh, he visits all sorts of neighborhoods in the city. And I, up since having lived there so long, I've visited these neighborhoods myself and have very, very, very many memories and fixed, fixed, fixed views of these places. So I was able to write about them without any problem, even if I didn't live there myself. Yeah. What can you tell us about Trevor's father and sister and how their deaths affected him? These, what we learn about these, these, these deaths very early in the, in the book, um, his uh, sister died in an accident with with one of his parents um, when Trevor was very young. Um, she was run over by a car, and then two years later, his father uh, died in in mysterious circumstances. 
Uh, and after that, uh, his mother, Trevor's mother, Helen, moved him, Trevor, and his remaining brother, Edward, who is very young and didn't have any memory of these deaths, to Paris. Trevor was eight, um, and he came sort of kicking and screaming and didn't stop kicking and screaming. Well, until well into the book, actually, he's still mm-hmm. kicking and screaming as a 35-year-old man. Talk about how Trevor came to own a bicycle shop and why he keeps running it. He came to run the bicycle shop by accident. Uh, he was he was recovering from an accident, strangely enough, that he'd had on a bicycle, and he walked by the shop, uh, and it was run by an Englishman who was sort of sort of was all hippieish. It's called Melo Velo. It's kind of nineteen seventies hippy dippy. He uh, he ended up the, the man was looking for an assistant. He ended up working for this working as this man's assistant. Nigel was his name. And then Nigel suddenly dropped dead, age 40-something from a heart attack, and he actually had left the shop to Trevor, so it fell into his lap. Uh, he uh, And he just kept working there because he was trying to create a life, number one, where he wouldn't have to make any decisions. It all just sort of happened to him. He would, it was easier to control if he just just took the took the low road and ran this bicycle shop. Um, furthermore, it also irritated his family. He grew up in a very bourgeois family. His mother, Helen, is very she was a bourgeois New Yorker and she married a very remarried a very bourgeois Frenchman called Edmond. And uh, he was trying to make his family angry and a bicycle shop was a perfect way to do so. So he what do you mean when you say that they were from a that he was from a bourgeois family? Well, they grew up. He grew up in the seventh arrondissement of Paris, which is a very upper middle class area where where he uh, where um, they, he went to nice private school and they they lived by very sort of strict rules and and manners and it's all very much bonjour madame bonjour monsieur so wealthy and upper class yes wealthy and upper class yes okay. and he was doing everything he could to distance himself from this from this childhood from this background right why does he treat women so callously i wouldn't say that he really treats them callously he he treat he will not allow himself to really get involved emotionally with a woman. He had a bad experience, which I won't go into detail about here because you learn about it in the in the course of the novel. But he had a very bad experience with a woman when he was a young man, and uh, he that, that this was part of his controlled existence was to not have emotional relationships to keep women at a distance. He doesn't think they're callous because he's very clear about the fact that he does not want to get deeply involved. And if it starts to get too close, he will run away. And he says he's, it's not exclusive either. He will, he will, uh, he can have more than one relationship at the same time. So it's, it's, it's callous as maybe he doesn't, he's not callous because he is honest about what he's doing, but it's all, it's all, it's all a front. He actually is a very sensitive and, and man full of emotions, but he, he does this to, as a way of sort of of keeping up a wall between him and the world to keep himself safe, he thinks. Mm-hmm. It also sounds French to me, and it is easier in France. It is easier in France. It's true to, to carry on relationships that that rem- always keep a certain Extra distance and have more than one. There's nothing wrong with that. There's an expression in French. It's called. A, I think you can even say it in English. It's called a cinq a set, which means five o'clock to seven o'clock, and that's the time when people. Um, go and have their little asic, their little out of out of wedlock assignations between five and seven o'clock, and it's called a sank a set. So, and it's know. acceptable. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's, it depends on your your circle of friends. I mean, I must say, my friends don't do that, but I know plenty of people right. who. 
who do live in that kind of world. It's, it goes on still. Yes. Okay. I don't yeah. approve of it. I'm just going to cut my hands. How was Trevor traumatized by the bike accident? And then you talked about it, but then he's, he's working in a bike shop. He owns a bike shop, but he's so traumatized. He is. Well, he's a, well, part of this is luck and part or happenstance, I should say. And part of it is this contrary nature of his personality. Um, one of the themes I try and talk about in the book, but let me talk a little bit about the bicycle accident just to make it a little bit clear. So, so people listening have an idea. He was, he was, uh, he was riding his bike uh, in the countryside one day, having a wonderful time and the handlebars came off his bicycle. He had a very bad accident, was in a coma for, for weeks um, and had a very hard time recovering from it. Um, he'd actually, he is also on the side of photographer and this this accident kind of threw him off the path, so to speak, of being a photographer as well. Um, it's again part of his way of not of choosing not to live, even though he can't stop taking photographs. On the one hand, and on the other hand, it's also just a sign of happenstance. He happened to be walking up there and uh, in this neighborhood, and there happened to be a job. Um, and so his life is, everyone's life is led a little bit by happenstance. Things don't just, you can't plan everything as he tries to do. Um, but as I say, it's also his contrary nature that after a bicycle accident, he would go end up working in a, in a bike shop. It's, it's, yeah, it's, and it's, I also am trying to play on this whole idea of motion. I mean, he's a man who is stuck mm-hmm. in life and, um, there, but he's working in a bicycle shop which is obviously that gives the idea of motion. I think it's important to know too about the first part of the book. It takes place uh, during a huge uh, transit strike in France in, 1980, in 1995. The whole country was brought to a halt and um, you, couldn't, you couldn't move. It was just, it was in a very strange and intense time. It was three weeks, but it seemed like three months. Um, and that's when the first part of this book takes place. During this time, his bicycle shop, which has been failing terribly, suddenly takes off because the only way people can get around is on bicycles. So even though he doesn't want it to succeed, people are coming to the bike shop and buying bikes. And it's, it, you know, it takes his, again, takes his life off into another direction that he's not able to control, even though he's trying very hard to do so. You were there I was there. I was there. I was so there. Do you yeah. remember being traumatized by the strike? It, it was really a strange time. It, everybody just stopped. Every, everything just stopped. Museums were closed early. People canceled all their plans. And it may, and there's some strange, Trevor enters, I won't, don't want to give away too much here, but Trevor, um, people entered and you, it's a time when you can behave very strangely and it leads Trevor into some very strange behavior that gets him into some trouble as well. So it was, a, yeah, it was a, as I say, one of these times, it's three weeks, it seems like three months. It was very intense. And it was part of the reason it was, in, it was really one of the germs of the book was thinking mm-hmm. about this person who's stuck in life and how you can actually be physically stuck too. So it was, yeah. Just uh, out of curiosity, how did that strike in? I hope the workers got their raises and it wasn't that, what it was is the, the it's train drivers in France are allowed to retri- retire at age 50. Ah, that's right. And um, because once upon a time it was very hard work, they were shoveling coal and so forth. But anyway, the idea was to try and let them, I think it was to bring up to 55 at the time and they would have nothing to do with it, but they did win. They did win. And actually with full benefits. Yes. Well, with full benefits. Ah. Absolutely. And I should say that there's, it, it not only did they win, but it, it's, they're on strike right around this time. They're in the 5th of December. They're having another big strike because once again, they're trying to uh, reform this, this pension system and, and make drivers retire later. So 
Hmm. We're now uh, what? We're now what? Twenty five years later, or more more than that? It, no, twenty five years later, we're still fighting about the same things. Are still you know still striking about the same things? So, as Ecclesiastes yeah, as wrote, nothing new under the sun. Exactly. Um, let's talk about Trevor's relationship with his mother and the Sunday lunches. And if you wouldn't mind going a little bit over the menu. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, Trevor has this family in in Paris. He has his mother and his stepfather, his brother. Uh, and his brother's wife and their three children. Um, and every once a month, Trevor's mother, Helen, puts on the family lunch, which is a very traditional French thing. I mean, every people, people, families come together at, on a Sunday lunch all the time in France. Many, you know, whatever generations are around come to this lunch. Uh, he goes to this lunch every every once a month, even though he has this sort of contentious relationship with his family. He can't quite, he doesn't, he does he can't leave them alone either? So it's, it's sort of tied to this thing. Um, and uh, he arrives after having closed up his bicycle shop with filthy hands, which of course irritates his mother. And he comes into the room, and they they it's all very orchestrated. The um, his his mother they come and have a drink at one o'clock at about one twenty. They sit down to eat. They have a housekeeper and a cook who's prepared the meal, which is put on the side. It's always a sort of meat and potatoes and vegetable soup to start with. Um, it's all very orchestrated and very formulaic in a way uh, to the point that um, at about three o'clock, his mother brings out fresh orange juice to t- give everybody the signal that it's time to leave. And I actually know somebody who does I've actually, that mm-hmm. fact was taken from 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 a, it was actually a dinner but that I have been to I know a woman who does that who brings out the orange juice and you know you're supposed to sip your juice and leave so it's all in a way it's very formulaic but it's also very family oriented I mean it's you know it's, it's not it's not all I may be making it sound bad but it's actually very nice because these families come together mm-hmm. and talk and actually sit down around a table for a long meal or as long as before until the orange juice comes out and so anyway I was trying to show a little bit about the book is there's a lot in the book about what real French life is like, not just what you see when you come as a tourist. And this is this yeah. is an example of that. Yeah, I liked that. Um, after his father died, Trevor's mother married Edmund. Yes, and that's a, that's a huge issue. Why does Trevor treat him so badly? What's going on? Well, mostly because, as he even says himself, is not his father. Um, you know, his father died under uh, mysterious circumstances and uh, he and his mother never talked about it. And then they, she's yanked over to France and within a year or two, she's married to this new man and he just can't deal with it partly because he's, they've never had a discussion about his real father. It's as if his real father has been stuffed under the carpet. So there's that, but he also does represent, he is, he's, he's a very classic Paris man. You know, he's a banker. He's, this aquiline nose and, and chiseled face. He's a handsome man, but very upper middle class, very, very traditional. And so he's just fighting against all these things. And then ultimately, they maybe they just don't get along that well anyway. But mm-hmm. it's, most, it's mostly about the fact that it's not his father. And uh, his mother's husband's name is Edmund, and yes. his brother's name is Edward. Yes. Well, I'm not going to tell you. I, I don't want to say more about that. Okay. I can't ruin the story. <laughs> why Why does Trevor only have one friend, his best friend? He does. He has. Well, when he moved over to France, when he was moved over to France, he was sent to a French school immediately. And obviously he didn't speak, spoke very little French. Uh, and in the courtyard of this, pretty much the first day, this, this other boy came up to him 
Uh, he too is a bit of an outsider. His um, his mother was from a very traditional military family, very Catholic, very military, and she uh, had a she married a Hungarian Jew who was her professor at school. And obviously, this did not sit well with with, with her Catholic military family. So he was a bit of an outcast too, and they just naturally came together and remained fa- fixed friends for for forever. I mean, they were more, more like brothers in a way, but they were so close. And that's a big part of Trevor's life, going it is. to the weekends yes. with him. And that's another thing, going to visit your friends and your family at weekends. It's another thing that's a very French thing to do. They live out, so they live about an hour outside of Paris. Uh, Cédric's a teacher of French at the at the at a private lycée in the in the t- nearby town, and his wife Viviane is a uh, a painter. Um, and there's lots of things at, at at play here. First of all, is to show that Trevor is not. I mean, the the, the tone at the beginning is ironic. This is written by Trevor. After the fact, he knows he's being a jerk. He knows that he's you know, mm-hmm. that, the, that his this idea of controlling his life and so forth. You can sense underneath that he knows that. But it's to show that he really isn't a jerk. He has this lovely friend. Both Cedric and Viviane are lovely people. Accept him for who he is. And this it's a very it's important to show that he actually you know can have friends and does have friends and does have emotions. That's to show that. But it's, the other thing that's important is that Viviane is as a painter and Cedric as a teacher is as. Trevor says at some point they follow their true purpose. They were believers in true purpose. Mm-hmm. They believe that Trevor should not be running a bicycle shop, but should be taking photographs, should never have stopped taking photographs. So they, they play an important role of, of actually telling us who Trevor really is underneath they his all, all, the, all, this, all this life that he's sort of created around himself, this image he's created around himself. Also, also his weekends with them are filled with nature and walking exactly, and the yes. dogs. Yes, and, and food. And their food is really, I mean, at, at his house, but at his parents, his mother's house, the food is a little bit, I, it's, it's just part of this whole tradition thing. But with Viviane and Cédric, it's really, she loves to cook. She cooks really great meals. And it's, it's yes, it's about the joy of food too, mm-hmm. which does exist in France. You know, there's, it's not just about sitting around a table and mm-hmm. politely eating meals. They, there is a real appreciation for food and Viviane has that. Um, what about Trevor's relationship with his brother? Well, yeah, his, as I mentioned earlier, his brother Edward is, is, um, because it was Trevor and then the sister and then Edward, um, sister Franny. Um, and so they're, 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 they're several years apart. And so there is this age gap. Um, they had, 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 had very different experiences because Trevor, I mean, excuse me, Ed, Ed, Edward remembered nothing about the deaths of his, of his sister and his father. He was really just a two-year-old. And, um, but they also just have very different characters. Edward is a, is a banker like his stepfather, Edmond. Uh, he doesn't ask himself a lot of questions about life. Um, he's got a very sort of quick mind with about numbers and things like that, but not about the larger questions. And so they, they have a fundamental difference. There are fundamental differences between them in terms of character, but also experience. And in the same family, you often, that, that happens. But Trevor's the one that pushes everybody away. He's the one, Edward's perfectly, I mean, yeah. they, they have a very mocking, sarcastic relationship, but it's not, I mean, it's exactly, it's Trevor the one who's trying to keep everybody away. Trevor goes every day to the same cafe. Can you yeah. talk about well, that? Well, it's also part of his little rotten routine. You know, that's been yeah. part and part of it. And But he goes to the same cafe. And it's, I mean, that just shows it is, it's an important part of any any neighborhood life. You go to the same cafe, you have your cafe, you know the waiters, you you know the people who come in every day, whether it be your concierge, it happens there, or some, you know, worker from the work site or an old, again, there's a retired mechanic. In the first part of the book, it's it's up near, he's 
It's where he lives and works, this Rue des Martyrs. Next part of the book, he actually moves the shop down to the Rue de Seine, which is a much more central part, also much more, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Latin Quarter. It's down the Latin Quarter, so very much the heart of the city, but it's symbolic in the sense, too, that the shop is moving a little bit closer to, his, to the center of the city, but to the center of his life, where his, the, the life that he's rejected um, and he changes cafes. He starts going to another cafe, but it's it's all just symptomatic of the of the different of of how his life is changing too. But he also leaves the street of the murders and he moves does to exactly the Seine, Rue de Seine. It is a street in Paris, but it's, the Seine is the center of the city. So there's the geography is very important in in the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but in Paris the, is really important. Paris is actually a character in the in the a in character. The novel. And yeah. I felt like these hours that I spent reading it that I had a little afternoon in Paris. Well, really, I hope so. Yes, I and then so. I had to go get some a baguette from <laughs> a nearby French pastry shop. Why do painting and photography play such a big role in the book? Well, painting is, is, is Vivian is the painter, uh, and and he meets another painter. It's it's the role of art because actually fundamentally Trevor is an artist. He is a photographer, even though he's tried to push that away. He calls himself a bit of a. Uh, a, a sort of a ph- photo- photographic alcoholic. He can't help pulling his, help himself pulling his camera out of the, out of the cupboard and taking photographs. He always does. Um, actually, the title, "The Art of Regret," it has to do with photography. Um, he realizes at some point uh, that photography itself is the art of regret. If you are a photographer, which I am an amateur photographer myself, I took this from my own experience. You, you the shots that you miss stay with you forever. Mm. Um, and, and, um, for Trevor, photography is important because you can, you can keep memory, these memories that he's, you know, feels like he's been forced to leave behind with photography. You can keep them, put them on paper, but at the same time, there's this feeling of regret all the time for the shots that you've missed, the things you can't hold on to. So as he says, at a certain point of book, he realizes that photography is the art of regret. And he had taken regret to this to a state of the art by in the way he was leading his life so anyway the point is really is that he is a he is an artist fun at, at heart and he mm-hmm. needs to get back to that it's this idea of his friends called the true purpose you know what's your true purpose and that is his true purpose mm-hmm. so uh it was a lovely book thank you very much and i i would love to hear more about the um paris and its inhabitants and as an American who has lived there for so many years. Yeah, you're, 1981. Yeah. So it's getting a little embarrassing how long I've lived there. Yes. <laughs> um, Most of my life. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I hope, uh, I hope you're going to write some more. Yes. Let's go. What's yes. going on now? What are yeah. you working yeah. on? I am, I'm well into a, a, a third novel. This is actually my second. I have another novel called someone else also takes place in Paris. Uh, and I'm working on a novel now, getting near the end. It takes place on, again in Paris. It's my it's my place uh, on the Place des Vosges in the Marais neighborhood, um, the, a sort of abandoned house where an old lady, American lady, lives who's lived through much of the. It takes place in the early '80s, lived much of the the night of the 20th century, and then a young American woman who comes to work for her because she's going blind, and it's the story of a woman who's sort of looking back on Paris in the her life, 20th century life in Paris, and this young woman who's starting, starting her life in Paris. Mm, so, it sounds and a big house good. that's pretty much abandoned and gets squatted. So, yeah, so it's a little bit gothic. Sounds a little mysterious. A little, little gothic, a little okay. gothic, yeah. yeah. I look forward yeah, yeah. to it. Thank you so much, and best of luck to you. Well, thank you, Gulit, for having me. It's been a great pleasure. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host 
of New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with Mary Fleming, author of The Art of Regret. If you enjoyed today's podcast and would like to discuss it further with me and other New Books Network listeners, please join us on Shuffle. Shuffle is an ad-free, invite-only network focused on the creativity community. As NBN listeners, you can get special access to conversations with a dynamic community of writers and literary enthusiasts. Sign up by going to www.shuffle.do forward slash NBN forward slash join.